All right, y'all. So we're just going to do a little live show here, unplanned. We'll give people, I don't know, 60 seconds or so to start to pop in as the notifications roll out. And then, but I guess we'll jump into the uh, the more formal version of the podcast there. But a uh, little, little Monday evening live recording. Excited to do it as always. No doubt, man. Uh, really welcome all in all of our viewers and listeners. And uh, we'll also have this on the podcast feed. Coming up, I think we should probably start with a quick little shout out to our main sponsor. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tarkin Sellers Wine, great people, great to be able to continue to work with them. As always, you can go to the website, tarpinsellers.com. Bud, I have a surprise for you. Uh, we are a member of Tarpin Sellers Wine Clubs, as I would encourage any of our listeners to do. You can, it's a couple of different clubs couple different times at which they send out wines, but April is a time at which they send out wines and you can tell you and perhaps more importantly, your wife that uh, this one's earmarked for old uh, Florida. So headed to you guys and the Elliott household will have uh, six bottles to sample over the next days, weeks, months, however that may last. Maggie will be very happy about that. Um, All right. So I just, in my phone, I keep, I keep notes on things that are going on since the last time we recorded and then somehow those things migrate over to the sheet as I think you do the same. And that uh, we both put one of the main things down tonight before we get to some of this mailbag talk and who knows, maybe we'll take a couple of live questions from the chat as well. Uh, but one of the things that has happened in recent uh, days is Jarvis Brownlee officially hitting the transfer portal. Uh, Jarvis Brownlee, he of 800 plus snaps last year on the defensive side of the football at corner. Um, but also Jarvis Brownlee uh, of suspensions and, you know, disgruntledness and just can't seem to get out of his own way for a consistent amount of time. You know, uh, what, what, were your, what was your initial reaction here? I felt like it was uh, the way that this was headed over the past week or so. I mean, um, I think you and I have been able to provide a little bit more of the backstory here than than others as far as some of the specifics surrounding an NIL and that there was a deal and Jarvis, you know, either no showed it or didn't meet the qualification, depending on who you talk to. Um, and that kind of was the, I don't want to say the catalyst because there might've already been a suspension underlying there. It's not, you know, I don't know that it's uh, serving our listening audience or anybody else too well to go, uh, you know, into the granular details of this, but, uh, Hopefully it works out for Jarvis somewhere else, but you're right. Jarvis Brownlee of the 800 snap uh, family and a guy that is a very complicated individual and a complicated uh, individual to kind of give an accurate assessment, I guess, of his time. And maybe more importantly for Florida State fans, what it's going to mean uh, now that he's gone. You don't just lose somebody that played that many snaps and it not be a loss. At the same time, and your defensive back room has been a mess for a while, and unfortunately, it still is. And um, from that aspect, I think you know removing Jarvis may make things a little bit more simplified. But you know, there's still a lot of work to be done there. I, I agree with you on that. Um, I I don't want to say that that Jarvis Brownlee going is not a loss. I, I think it is a loss in some respects. Uh, you don't play 800 plus snaps on a. Uh, Slightly above average, decent defense, I think we can say. Towards the end of the year, uh, a downright solid to good defense. And he was starting pretty much every single game and playing. I mean, it's hard to play 800 snaps if, if you don't play 
you know, damn near every game. So that it is a loss from that standpoint. However, I, I also agree with the people out there who will tell you that Jarvis Brownlee's starting position this year was not necessarily going to be guaranteed because Duke Cooper continues to improve. I don't buy into the JJ stuff at all, but maybe some people do. I don't know why they would. Uh, JJ is it Jones? Yeah, no, no way. In my opinion, uh, I have um, I have not heard that stuff. I'll put it that okay. way. Uh, well, we I got a little little bit of feedback on that on Twitter, and I just I'm I'm not okay. I'm not not part of that. I'm part of the notification gang because if you turn on <laughs> notifications, you get our live show. We we kind of like to do them shadow style a little bit. And uh, my shadow hat here to uh, to show you. Um, you know, we, we, we like to reward the folks who have notifications on, on the YouTube because then they get us live as opposed to letting all these people tune in when, when uh, they don't have notifications on. But I think Renardo obviously has, has played, uh, played himself into consideration. You also have Kevin Knowles and you have the young guys in AZ and Sam McCall, uh, who I think are very quickly ascending the depth chart. It, it is encouraging that they are getting as many reps as they are right now, uh, with, uh, you know, Second team, I guess. Uh, like that might not sound really encouraging, but for it to be their first spring on campus, and for them to already be like in the two deep is uh, not that FSU's had an official two deep out, but just from the things our sources tell us here, uh, that's pretty encouraging. So I think FSU is fairly well positioned to absorb the loss of Brownlee, uh, but I also do think that it is a loss uh, on the field. Off the field, uh, I think it's not really a loss. I think that that is a room they have been trying to flip. And when you have somebody smack talking the FSU Instagram account about giving Jarvis Brown or about, about giving Jermaine Johnson the defensive MVP award, that's just not a good look. Like the awareness there is not particularly good, even though I think Jarvis played well at times last year. So, um, yeah, man, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, that is a that is a funny um, anecdote in the Jarvis Brownlee uh, storyline. I had I had forgotten about that one. So, but if you get injuries, this is what I, I will say this too: if you get injuries, losing him could really bite you in the butt because he can play. He's not great, but he's he's a useful player, and I do think he would have started. I don't think he would have been guaranteed to start, but I do think he was probably going to be the starter opposite of Duke Cooper. Uh, so maybe Knowles takes the job. Who knows? But um, I don't think the drop off is severe, but if you get a couple injuries there, then I think you really, uh, really might miss him. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the, impossible to state to me. Other ways, if you have injuries, then losing a guy that took eight hundred snaps can be an issue. Uh, absolutely. Do you think eight hundred snaps might be might? Yeah, okay. I agree. Um, yeah, I'm not trying to sound like a smart ass when I say that, but we'll just we'll just have to see. You know, there's a lot of competition out there, and. Uh, you're right. We say the green is, you know, emerged or perhaps reemerged. I just, um, I'm real optimistic about the program in general, and I'll talk more about that as we get through the podcast. Label me still very concerned about the defense back room. I, I think you've got real issues there, and you've had them for a while. And I don't, I think Adam Fuller and time will probably work out, but I, that's a strong personality into a room with a lot of guys that have. Think real highly of themselves, and that you know you may have some clash there. And uh, Woodson, I think, is a great recruiter, but you know at times maybe transfer some of the transferring from recruiter to coach is a is a challenge. Um, so we'll just have to see how it works out there. Like I said, 
real, you know, optimistic about the general trajectory of the program. Uh, but this is an area that has been a mess for a while and remains a mess. And we'll just have to see what, uh, what Brownlee goes on to do. Obviously, I'm not looking for you to predict a particular school or, or maybe you can, but just from a general level of ball, where do you think Jarvis lands after entering the transfer portal? I think he'll go somewhere in a power five, assuming he has grades to do so. Yeah. That's I, not me taking a shot at his academics. I'm just saying, like, ability wise, he's absolutely a power five level player. Again, you start, you play that many snaps last year for Florida State, you're, you're going to land somewhere. I mean, somebody's going to look at that and think, uh, you know, this is worth taking a flyer on. Certainly it'll be, be interesting to land or to see where he lands. A lot of appealing things about Jarvis. You and I have certainly been a fan of him at times and have wanted the best for the kid uh, for forever. And hopefully that ends up uh, happening in the long term, but it's not going to happen at Tallahassee. And we wish him the best. He, he did visit Louisville over the weekend. I know uh, I, I had a friend of mine at Louisville text me. What, what do you think? And I was like, well, <laughs> what a fit. What a fit that would be. I mean, uh, you, you, you trade him for Greedy Vance. Yeah, okay. exactly. You just swap um, swap Greedy and Jarvis. And, uh, Louisville's getting the better player. Race. I think FSU's probably getting less of the headache. That's the way I can put that. Uh, that would be funny. That would um, be funny. All right, so let's talk about another, another departure here. Uh, Kenyatta Watson, recruiting analyst, goes to Georgia Tech. Um, or Well, recruiting analyst wasn't exactly the title. It was like assistant director, high school relations NFL one of those sort of titles that they put on you basically says hey use your connections get kids to campus some people are flipping out about this I would not read too much into this about what it says about FSU's program uh, I'm told he got a two-year deal and that everybody in the office was happy for him he gets to go back his wife is still in Atlanta and his son is now there at Georgia Tech Look, is coach Collins going to get fired after this year I think there's a pretty good shot you may get fired during the season. I mean, I, I don't know exactly what Tech's finances are, but uh, I do know that their over-under win total is probably going to be about three and a half. So if you go three and nine again after four years, you're probably getting fired. But if you have a two-year deal, hey, man, cool. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll hang out, watch my son play while collecting a check there in, in, in 2023 and then go from there. So I, I really can't blame him for going home. Um, I think he does have good contacts in the state of Georgia, and yet uh, there are also some disappointing misses down the stretch that uh, I think his words led people to be confident in, and they missed on. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I don't know who you want to put blame on there, but I I think they'll fill this spot just fine. It's an interesting situation. Uh, like you said, Collins has maybe the nation's worst schedule to play against and has uh, a massively evaporating level of support from, you know, Georgia tech uh, supporters, boosters, et cetera. Um, he also like left social media. Did you notice that? Uh, Collins did. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Like he used to be very raw, raw. That is a guy whose brand is social media. Uh, so yeah, this okay. is kind of weird. So check this out. He, uh, uh, you know, when you get caught standing on your tippy toes for too many times in pictures and get tagged on it in Twitter, I imagine it probably, probably began to bother him. Oh, was it, was he, was he standing on his tippy toes? He's a little bit of a, t- you know, somebody that's five, nine or so I can, I can feel the pain, but, uh, he's gotten caught tippy toeing it a couple times in pictures. Yeah. Got it. So his last, uh, his last tweet, uh, was a retweet of Tech Football on September 4th, 2021. 
you know, somebody's general mantra that involves hashtags and other things like that. It's yeah, curious that he's kind of weird. I don't know social, but um, they have made some decent some decent hires here at Georgia Tech, uh, particularly for a program that appears, you know, destined for coaching change. So we'll just have to see how that works out. Look, to get back to what we're talking about. You got Watson, you got Barto. I think Watson was closer to a value add than Barto is, to be perfectly honest with our listeners out there. Um, and I'll leave it at that. At the same time, I was having a discussion with somebody six months ago or so, and they're like, you know, kind of what you reference there. Watson, nice Rolodex, good intentions, hard worker compared to others. Um who do you really bring in? Who is he responsible for you even really flirting with landing? I mean, I'm not a big fan of Bartow, but I could tell you that Bartow may be more successful in Georgia than Watson is based simply off what he's done for you down in Columbus, Georgia. I mean, that's, I like Kenyatta Watson personally, but from the, and the running that, back they got this year. Yeah. Who's coming in. But from the year that you had him, not a whole lot to show. Now I would say to be fair, Kenyatta Watson, somebody that's got to be in a program for two to three years to really start to see the results of it. Uh, but you know, not a massive loss and wish him the best of luck. And it'd be interesting to see what Florida state does with that position. I mean, again, to speak from a general perspective, very optimistic about the program, very concerned with Mike's decisions about some, uh, staff decisions. And, you know, he's just got to go and hit a home run when it comes to this one, because that's an area that you got to get significantly better at. Yeah, I, I think you and I were on the same page. It was curious that you know some of the folks who got big time raises uh, got them after after the the, the close they had, uh, especially you know considering we we heard how how hot the, the the headman was about some of the info that turned out not to be correct. So uh, I think that this is an opportunity for new GM Derek Ray uh, to potentially put his stamp on the job, you know, and go and get some guys that he knows. I think that is. Uh, probably a, a good thing. Ultimately, that they can get some new blood in there, and uh, you know we'll have to see who Derek wants to bring in. But uh, I, I just I trust him a lot more than the guy who was running recruiting, a, a lot more. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of my take on that. I'm not super worried about Watson leaving. And I don't think it's really a commentary on where FSU is as a program. He's not leaving for a better job. It's a better situation for him when you factor in a guaranteed two-year deal and the family. Absolutely. Yeah. Guy who got a great raise, like we talked about, both, I think, decent amount of people behind the scenes did. Hard to make sense of. Odd to see a guy who gets a what I heard was like north of 100% raise leave a couple of months later. But uh, with what we've talked about, this kid in Atlanta in two years, good for him. Best of luck. And uh, we'll see what happens with Watson as he tries to settle in elsewhere. All right, before we get to our next topics, I want to stop here and thank our friends at the Legendary Team, Legendary Home Loans, 844-FSU-LOAN, 844-FSU-LOAN. Those guys just do a tremendous job. Really, they really do. I've, I've got two loans to them, my, my home loan and my refi. Really blessed to be able to work with those guys, with, with Chad and Shannon. Um, that's the number to call. And my buddy was like, hey, do they do HELOCs? They do. So uh, I, I think Pat's going to be getting a new one through them coming up pretty soon. I know they emailed us, but last week they had four new uh, loans. The market in Florida <laughs> remains really hot. So that's not investment advice. That's just observation. 
And please go ahead and give those guys a call, 844-FSU-LOAN, if you are in the market for a home loan or a refi. Absolutely. Fantastic guys to work with. Can't promise you that it'll always be this responsive, but I think somebody emailed us uh, last week and I was able to respond in 10 minutes and Shannon responded in two. So uh, within 12 minutes of the initial inquiry, uh, we were able to put you in touch with uh, one of the best guys in the mortgage game in general. And as you pointed out rightly a couple months ago, uh, when you contact us, and we put you in touch with the People from uh, from the legendary team, you're not just working with anybody, you're working with Shannon, working with this guy who's as experienced as, as there is out there. So a uh, great team that we've been fortunate to be able to pair with. And we can only hope that the uh, football program trends in the same direction uh, that these two guys have, because it's uh, been nothing but success the past couple of years. Uh, speaking of success, FSU's having some recruiting success here. Let's turn the page to new 2024 commitment, Luke Cromenhoke. So six foot three, six foot four out of Benedictine Military School in Savannah. Uh, if you're a recruitnik and you've heard that name, uh, well, not Luke's name, but uh, the Benedictine name, that's because Holden Gariner, uh, the four-star quarterback who signed with Auburn uh, last year, what a couple months he's had, by the way, if you think about all the, the turnover and the potential turnover and then not turnover there at Auburn uh, down the stretch. But uh, so Luke backed up Gariner last year at Benedictine. He also played some strong safety. Looks like he played a little bit of receiver as well. And uh, there's there's some stuff to like here. But also, I will have to say, um, the, the, the tape we have on him throwing is very limited because obviously he was, uh, you know, a, a backup. Um, he did throw for Mike Norvell last year at camp in person. So I think that is where FSU has seen him and they may have a leg up on some of the competition. Uh, but from the tape I looked at, man, so very athletic kid, uh, plays two ways, scores a lot of long touchdowns, makes some picks, lays some dudes out. No doubt, legitimately athletic, athletic prospect. The throws were on target, but again, it's, highlight tape and there's not that many throws on there. So uh, that's kind of all I have for you right now. I want to see him more in person. He was not at the Elite 11 uh, in Orlando that I recently attended. Otherwise, I'm pretty sure he would have uh, he would have stood out if he was any good because that was a, kind of a waste of my time. So, <laughs> you know, oh, dude, don't come to Florida for your <laughs> quarterback. Yeah, don't didn't, do it. didn't oh, pop, huh? Okay. Oh, man. Florida quarterbacks are, are still mm. a work in progress. Well, um, yeah, it's 2024 kid. I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking about him. Florida State's continued to, uh, I don't want to say open up the area, but continue to have a little bit of presence in Southeast Georgia at a level that they haven't had historically. This is another step in that direction. Like we said, 2024, a lot of time uh, to develop. And, uh, you know, as a prospect, I agree, kind of a, I don't want to say unrankable at this point, but still a whole lot of things to see when you talk about a kid that has yet to start at the high school level. So. Agreed. All right, let's turn the page here and look at the new offers of the week. This is kind of a new segment. We got, we got some good feedback on this one, man. So I think we'll keep doing this. A uh, couple here that I, I just, I'm going to give you my general thoughts on this kid. Chime in with anything if, uh, if, if you have it or if you have any questions on them. I did watch all of these guys uh, that I could find tape on. So at least there's that. So Ashley Williams, 
He's a really big defensive end from Zachary, Louisiana. Uh, he's kind of blown up this March. He doesn't have like the A&M, LSU, Alabama level offer yet, but the frame and the production, uh, I, I think, are, are pretty promising. He has some okay burst for that frame. Uh, 14 sacks as a junior on a six foot five, 235 pound frame. So, uh, no stars on him yet. It's a good reminder that early star ratings are uh, very much incomplete. Basically, I'll just be watching to see uh, do one of those big three offer. If not, you may be in business here because you know Gabe Fertitta, their new offensive analyst, is from Louisiana and has some connections. Part of the reason I think they got him on campus. So, you know, that's, uh, yeah. Always helps. Next kid, Justice Hugo. Like the car, but it's spelled U-G-O. He's a junior college cornerback from Blinn, Texas. Now, his other offers are like not very good. I mean, UConn and, and, and some guys like that. So looking at that, man, the only reason I put him on here is because, A, I think the offer is Probably legit, although I don't know if it's committable. But he tweeted yesterday uh, that he plans on committing in early April and uh, and is not going back to junior college. Okay. So that, to me, means he's not a 23, but he's a reclass. If he's a reclass, they're going to have to figure out if they're going to take him or not. Given mm-hmm. the fact that Brownlee just left, uh, I think they have probably four scholarships open if the guys leave who I think are going to leave. Or... I don't want to make it sound like that. I don't have really have specific guys who I think are definitely going to leave. I think there's probably, I don't know, nine guys that they'll, that they'll try to get four to transfer out after spring. You know, can you get four of those nine to free up some roster spots? And hopefully some of those, those upperclassmen who don't play can, uh, can go find playing time elsewhere in the portal. Um, not a whole lot of film that I was able to find on, on Hugo. Maybe I just missed it, but, uh, that's an interesting name to go look at. Another one here, Caden Jones, six foot seven off to tackle from New Orleans. His uh, his uncle actually was a defensive tackle for Texas A&M and the and played in the NFL. Uh, I just put a big "we'll see" next to this one because I, I want to see this kid in person to see kind of how, how he moves like that. Uh, but uh, yeah, that that's an interesting lineage there. And then Trey Wilson, uh, another offer out of that you know, Louisiana, Texas area. Yeah, hit the like button for sure, guys. Uh, Trey Wilson from Garland, Texas, picked up a lot of new offers. Uh, Miami, Stanford, Utah. He's another defensive end. So you are seeing FSU expand that defensive end board. We, we talked about this actually a little bit uh, in the show. Was it three shows ago, I think? Just more names being thrown out. Trying to position yourself. You need to cast a a wide net because you don't know how the season's going to go. If you get that positive variance, you know, if you get that positive variance, you could win eight, nine ball games. I don't think that's super likely, but it's certainly possible. Uh, you know, if you get that negative variance, you could win four or five. So again, that's also, that's, that's within the realm of possibility. If you start telling me 10 or, or three, I, th- I think you're, you're probably on a little something, but you know, I guess it's theoretically possible. It's just not, probable. Uh, but you got to be in position here to recruit no matter what happens. Now, you may tell me, hey, they win four or five games. You're not being in position to do anything, which, fair, fair. But, so those are your new 2023 offers. Uh, 2024 offers here. Dylan Stewart, 
He is a big-time defensive line name to know from Washington, D.C. And I have something coming up for you here, by the way. We're going to play everybody's favorite podcast game. So to the 25s, Jamie French. And if you see this spelling with the two Fs, not a typo. His brother was Marquise French, who was a four-year player for Pitt and holds the single-season Pitt receiving uh, receptions record with a 96-catch season, breaking the record held by, I think, Larry Fitzgerald. So mm. uh, you're doing something there if you're breaking that. And then this last kid, I don't have any film on him. We have a profile for him on 24-7 Sports. I believe that he exists. I don't have any real evidence he exists. Kevin Wynn, six foot five, three hundred twenty defense pound defense tackle from Greensboro, Georgia. I don't even know where Greensboro, Georgia is. And I'm going to play the game. Ingram, where is that Georgia County? Absolutely, yeah. Greensboro, Georgia is almost dead middle between Atlanta and Augusta on twenty. Uh, got a couple friends of mine whose families from that part of the world, but yeah, it's right there. Uh, Almost like 30 miles due south of Athens. So uh, if he lands on the radar, he'll uh, he'll have a short couple of options within a short drive. I'll put it that way. Beautiful. Um, well, if said a he, human does actually exist. He'll uh, be hard to miss at 6'5", yeah. 320 <laughs> as a 2025 player, which means he's going into his sophomore year. Mm. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'll head, I'll head east one night uh, this fall and... Put a, put a set of eyes on him. That'd be interesting. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Uh, what do you want to do? I, that's pretty much it for recruiting right now. Uh, a couple transfer portal uh, notes. Um, William McMillan uh, on, on YouTube writes, uh, Maryland has a four-star defensive end in the portal. Uh, they do, actually. However, I will say that Jeff, uh, Jeff Ehrman, uh, who is the Maryland reporter for the 24-7 Sports Network, put out... Uh, something on the message board before I think he even got in the portal and basically said, Hey, uh, Damian Robinson was hanging out with Caleb Williams all spring break in LA. Yeah. Okay. And then Caleb Williams retweeted and like liked his Instagram post within like 30 seconds of it's going up. So I think we're probably going to have to put the odds here at like USC or the field for that one. Keep in mind, Caleb Williams is a player from Washington, DC. Uh, and obviously so is, well, not obviously. It's obvious to me because I do this for a living. Robinson is from D.C. So Caleb and Robinson know each other. They're in the same year. Um, I don't think the kid's going to Florida State. I think he's probably going to go to USC if I had to if I had to guess. Okay, man. So this isn't really a segment. This is just something I've been thinking a lot about as I've been okay. you know, going through my Going through my days here, um, and it's WF, WTF does this mean? And I'm just going to grab a couple of scatter points from, uh, you know, just, just talking, talking points for what we've heard, what coaches have said, what people have told us behind the scenes. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll just throw it up and try to make sense of it. Micah Pittman putting on a show consistently in practice the last four or five days. I love it. Okay. Do we believe it's going to happen going forward? And I'll throw a different question at you. Do we hear about it if Winston Wright didn't get in the car crash? Yeah, no, that I can, I don't think. Is there a relative element here? 
Certainly. And there's there's probably a role that needs to be stepped into and an individual realizes all the more that that role's there. But dog, Micah Pittman's and put on a show many other places. I mean, I, I just that that's one of those things that when you hear I I get more concerned than I am excited. Now I I'm happy for Pittman and be great for him to catch on and certainly not trying to, you know, hate on uh <laughs> on on positive reports, but that's a situation that makes me maybe more concerned than optimistic. I would agree with you uh to a certain extent there. I I want to thread thread the needle here. I think it is very likely that FSU's receiver room is improved this year. It's almost impossible not to be. We said David Hill last year was pretty bold for saying they were going to have the worst receiving core in, in the ACC, and I, I think he was probably correct. I think he's being friendly, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, I, I think this will, this will be an improved receiving core this year. However, given their track record, it, it's not illegal for Micah Pittman to get better, to get consistent, to make an impact. But we cannot ignore the sample that was what he did at Oregon. Oregon did not have good receivers at all. There was plenty of opportunity for him to get on the field and make plays, and largely it didn't happen. So I am encouraged by the last couple of days of reports from practice. I'm encouraged by the fact that he had some catches in the, sp- in, in the spring you know, scrimmage, scrimmage number one. But I am not convinced yet that he's going to be an impact guy at the receiver position because of what we saw in three years at Oregon. I got on four days does not does not overcome, you know, 40 games. But it's encouraging that somebody is doing it. It is encouraging to me that we are hearing more about some of the new guys than we are about Keyshawn Helton and Pokey Wilson. Pookie Wilson, I think, is a fine three in the ACC. He's probably a very pinch two. Keyshawn Helton is not uh, not an impact guy in the ACC. Not somebody who should be starting for you if you are going to go where you want to go. Um, Ja'Kai Douglas has gotten mentioned a lot. He's had some explosive plays this year. I think that's a guy that I don't want him to be your deep threat. If he's a complimentary piece, okay. He could be a complimentary piece on a six or seven win team. If you're going to win eight, nine games, he's probably not the guy that's going to help you get there, in my opinion, most likely. So I, I, I still think the biggest news of spring is the Winston, Winston Wright car crash. Uh, undoubtedly is. He's undoubtedly the one is. guy who was proved as a receiver. I would I say. need to see him this spring. I just need him to stay healthy, and he'd be your number one by a lot. I think it was either me or Newberg on on the bench that had a little bit of a more um, positive, sl- not slant towards that, but evidently initial reports are that it's maybe not as bad as, as they thought. Maybe there's a chance he could come back by the end of the year or something like that. But um, I mean, it's a, it's significant, you know. I mean, it's a if, big if, damn deal. Uh, look, long ago, I learned my lesson as far as estimating injury timelines because Josh Kando was on a damn like hover around scooter. Right. On his official visit. And he played the next fall. Kendo or sweat? Excuse me. Sweat. Yes, my bad. Josh Sweat was literally on like a, a hover around scooter, like you'd hop on at Publix. And on his official visit, 
on the I think I think five or six years ago, you were kind enough to label it as a, as a fat person on a cruise or something like that. It was one oh, I remember. Oh man, I just thought it was hilarious at the time. Uh, it's still twenty twenty two, man. We, we, but yeah, you know, yeah, um, you're right. You can't can't go sniping people anymore. But uh, yeah, so look, it is possible that that he beats the timeline. However, let me ask you this: if he's cleared to begin rehabbing in August, when do you think he actually hits full speed? And how much does not having an off season actually hurt him? Yeah. You know, first it's hard October, for me to think he's going to, yeah, like, like you know, it's going to take time. Yeah. And 20, uh, 22 year olds, they heal a little bit differently than you or, you or I do at 37. You know, so <laughs> it's, sad it's, to confirm, sad to confirm, but yeah. Oh man. Um, yeah, I, uh, I was trying to get a quick workout in the garage the other day before I, I had a golf meeting down in Lauderdale. And I was like, all right. So I'm doing some mountain climbers and I tweaked my back. Mountain climbers. Like, Dude, what are you doing mountain climbers? Okay, I did bro, mountain climbers when I was I, 16 years old and wrestling and running 12 miles because I, I was I got, I got I got two boys who, who uh, look yeah. like they're gonna be they're gonna be beasts right now. And <laughs> like I'm, I I need to I need them not to be able to beat me up in 10 years. You know, oh, there I, you I, go. okay. So I I, I gotta stay in, in reasonable, <laughs> reasonable shape. Um, so anyway, yeah, like I'm damn it. Now I gotta get, and I gotta go, go sit in the truck and drive three hours to this, you know, do, do this meeting on the golf course. And then I'm out there trying to swing. <laughs> I gotta go hop back in the truck, drive three hours back. It was and the next morning. I was like, oh man, I am so, I'm so old. All right. So the Winston Wright thing is a really big deal. It sucks. In fact, I think you might want to take another receiver in the portal, depending on how much you really believe in Pittman and Johnny Wilson. Again, no no rule says they can't be better. No rule says they can't recognize their potential. But I am a little bit skeptical there. Right? Just just a little skeptical. We'll see. Yeah. Okay. Jared Verse declares that Bless Harris is one of the best five offensive tackles he's ever faced. So, Bud, Saturday Night Live is like a <laughs> shell of itself as to what it used to be. And it was funny, or maybe it was never funny, or maybe it was funny in the 90s. Uh, but they did a skit about 10 years ago that was called Red Flag. And it was pretty funny. If you're sitting in your office tomorrow uh, and looking to kill three minutes, Google SNL Red Flag. But uh, as soon as I heard verse say that i just that just jumped off to me like uh that's not a good thing to hear and again i'm not on the whole real optimistic right now and and maybe during listener questions i get more into that and i am flirting with you know legitimately thinking this team can win eight games next year but uh there are some things that concern me and like i've said for a couple months now i think verse is going to flash and i think verse is probably going to get his rear end blocked off at times you know i mean it's just uh going to be a process for him and if Bless Harris is really one of the best five offensive tackles he's ever seen, it's concerning. But uh, he's got some time to get used to, you know, level of competition, et cetera, et cetera. But that was not something that jumped off the board to me in a positive manner. He's about to uh, he's about to be seeing a lot a lot better offensive tackles. However, do you think they would be working Darius Washington at guard that much if they didn't really th- if they didn't believe in Bless Harris? Like I I think Atkins believes in Bless Harris. Because I don't like the reports I get are that Rod or ain't close. Mm-hmm. No, right? No, yeah, and yeah. I'm not really buying into the Lloyd Willis 2022 campaign. Now I'm not fully out on him 
as a player. Based on mm-hmm. things I've heard, it wouldn't shock me if... No. Do I think last year was kind of a wasted year a little bit? I do. Yeah. But Atkins may have gotten through to him at some point, and maybe he's starting to get with the program a little more now. Now, it sucks that you, you wasted a year, but it's not uncommon for young players to have that happen. Um, maybe maybe the Lloyd Willis, maybe I'm on, on that campaign for 2023 20, or 24. But I think that they're thinking, bless Harris, has a chance to start for them at tackle. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, I mentioned that Harris I'd heard some positive chatter about almost immediately. Now, it was not, hey, this kid may be an immediate starter. It was more like, we didn't miss, uh, you know, this, this may be a guy that develops into a starter next year, but, um, yeah, yeah, we'll see. Uh, that's an interesting situation. I agree that their one is to try to, uh, have him at tackle and, and, you know, move the kid that you played last year at tackle down to guard. Uh, not to be repetitive, but I've said for six or eight months that I'm concerned about Schrader. He's not there yet. Uh, you've been dead on about this. going to take a while. Um, Let me ask you this. When we did our too early hit or eh, that's a miss portal reactions after spring workouts, where did we have Lyles, the center? I'm trying to look, look through our notes here. I think we had him as, as a likely hit. Are you concerned about the athleticism there? <laughs> Or do you think it's more of a... If that's a storyline that's starting to circle, yeah, I'm real concerned about that. I mean, yeah. I, I think I think he's your starter, definitely. It could also be we, just a newness element, right? Yeah, yeah, and that's like what the, we label The offense is such. new to him. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of a work in progress. Oh, and, hey, look, I, fa- I Gibbons, found the spring questions. Gibbons didn't blow doors either when he first came in. You know, I mean, it takes a while to adjust. So the uh, here we go. I found, remember the spring question series? Was Our it easier question? that we don't have like a... a 1100 pages on the on the notes yeah okay so no cast backstory here we uh we used to um we used to have our no cast notes which is now no cast archived notes uh and it was how many pages is this this is 67 pages yeah uh, and this is that like was like 11 <laughs> yeah sir but it was good yeah. reference. Um, some good reference points. Definitely, it got a little hard to load on mobile. Remember, I was like, I tried to take notes on both. This <laughs> is your phone's gonna melt. So, uh, our note or question, rather, for the spring questions series was, "Quote: Caden Lyles is the starting center, right? Right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm interested here. Okay, couple, a uh, couple notes from the live chat here. Uh, Chestnut." Uh, which, by the way, shout out Keston, one of our most devo- devoted listeners here. Uh, he noted that uh, Devon Demas from AM just hit the portal 10 minutes ago, five star receiver. Um, two things. Number one, not shocked that a super highly rated receiver has not reached his potential there. Number two, uh, Demas just got hit for a felony domestic violence thing uh, mm-hmm. in which the allegations include uh, beating his girlfriend so bad that her teeth went through her face. So I don't think that FSU is going to be involved with uh, pursuing him, at least not at this time, right? Like, clearly, those are, that's a charge you can go to jail for. So, uh, and if true, should. Um, Anyway, let's, uh, 
let's keep going. I'm sorry to sorry to sidetrack that there. Keith Gordon also has a good question about he does. Uh, the Richardson one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I would say those guys are more 2024s. Richardson actually lost some weight last year during a senior season and had a, a bit of a disappointing senior season. Uh, Charlton, I think, is somebody they're very high on, but they were very high on with the foreknowledge that they uh, were going to need to help him reshape his body. So I would say they're probably more uh, sit to hopefully play in, in, in 24. Mm-hmm. Those are our freshman offensive linemen, by the way, that uh, if, if you guys at home don't know. Yeah, some some good chatter as far as immediate feedback on Charlton, but not somebody that's, you know, again, good chatter is not, hey, this kid's, you know, ready to play within six months or something like that. They just like what they've got there as far as a physical prospect and mentally what they can work with. So, um, all right, bud. Is AZ Thomas this bright of a prospect or is the defensive back room just really in this sore of a shape uh, for a lack of better wording? No, I, I think he is athletically uh, very, very good. I also have having two brothers who played College football, you know, one at Georgia Tech, obviously. Um, I think that helps him as far as coming in, hitting the ground and running, knowing what to expect. I'm sure he's picked their brains. He's probably visited them at practice multiple times to understand what it's like to be in a college program. So I think he's the real deal, man. It wouldn't shock me if at some point this year he's a starter, as you've been predicting now for, for quite some time. Yeah. By the way, uh, we're doing north of triple digits in March on an unplanned, unpromoted live podcast. Just want to thank all you guys out there. Notification That's, gang. That is outrageous and uh, you know wildly appreciated at, at 10 p.m. on a Monday night. So um, it's, like, it's like we've got a decent audience, but it's, it's almost like we've got a decent fan base built up over the past 10 years. So, Stay tuned um, for Thursday. Yes. <laughs> We do got to figure that out, by the way. Yeah. Um, um, so I've heard some some positive stuff about Omar Graham. I've been excited to hear that. I also have to wonder, is this because he's that good of a prospect, which I find kind of odd because he didn't necessarily play a whole lot of, you know, traditional linebacker in high school. It was really more just a, hey, you're an athlete, pin your ears behind your head, go, go tackle what moves and in theory – chase the quarterback in the, in the time between. Is this kid, are, are we excited about him in general? Yes, certainly good athlete, a lot to work with in my opinion. Um, or maybe we're just hyping this up a little bit internally because it's really the first, you know, real linebacker that Florida State signed in a couple of years. Uh, I, Steven Dix, I'm aware of, but Steven Dix has his limitations and I don't think you'll be seeing a ton of them. Uh, Kid out of Georgia is great, but he's 258 pounds when he's, you know, pushing away from the table and he's just got a body that's tough for a linebacker. But uh, Omar Graham, a lot of positive things. I'm excited about it, but I just wonder if it's more a byproduct of some of the other kids that you've signed over the past couple of years. I, I think there's a couple of things going on here. One, uh, I think there is there are legitimate questions about Graham's athletic ability as far as projecting him as a superstar, right? Or somebody who's going to have real NFL potential. Now, again, there's no rule that says he can't improve. 
as far as his, his athleticism. Doesn't typically work that way uh, as, as far as speed and whatnot. And it, you can get faster, but not like drastically different than you were in high school. Um, which is kind of the way things work. He's a very smart player. Instinctive guy, even though he didn't play a lot of traditional off-ball linebacker, he did make a whole lot of plays in high school. Very productive. Huge tackle numbers. He was also, I don't know if he got the valedictorian, but I had a coach on staff. I think he was uh, the salutatorian. I think he was the runner. Okay, yeah, but he was in the running to be, like, like, academically, Omar Graham is a mature kid. So it doesn't surprise me that he is taking to practice you know, with that type of mentality. You know, it does surprise me a little bit that he is being as comfortable as he is. I think the line that I had for him, um, and I'm not going to back down from it, but I, I may be wrong there, and I hope I am, uh, was, look, if he's the third best backer you take in your class, that's incredible. If he's the second best back, backer you take in the class, eh, all right. And if he's the best backer you take in the class, I, I think you got some disappointment on your hands. Now, he is the only backer they took in the class. And again, their board ain't real big this time. Now they're they're luckily got on Tatum Bethune. And for as much as I want to hate on Randy Shannon's evaluations at the high school level, and I do, uh, he was instrumental in getting them Bethune, and Bethune has been really damn good for them. Mm-hmm. So credit to Randy Shannon there. I'll, I'll you know if I'm, I'm going to rip on the guy for one thing, I should give him credit when he does something well, and that was certainly something he did quite well. Also, I, I want to pose this to you. If she's got some really nice D tackles by college standards, I mean, I'm not sure Coop's a major NFL guy or anything like that. Pretty sure he's not. Love it. I think has an NFL future potential. But on the ins, I mean, how much more, how much better do you think Bethune looks now that he has blockers staying off him? Because those guys up front need up blocks. Mm-hmm. UCF actually struggled at defensive tackle last year. Um, they had a lot of injury concerns there, and it was a problematic area for them. I was going back to my notes in the offseason for the betting stuff. I was like, huh. I wonder if like that's something that, that, that Randy and those guys knew. Said, hey, if we can get if we can keep some bodies off Bethune, he could really flourish. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, a lot of positive feedback on him in general. I think it's gonna be a guy that that uh, pops and if he's healthy will be um it will be a significant upgrade to linebacker play over what you've had really for the past four years or so uh, around here. So uh, let me see if I had any other kind of, uh, yep, no, that was it. For Rodemaker, I guess, is, is some people. Yeah, Rodemaker is something a lot of people have asked about in general. Um, I have heard that Tate has looked better, that Tate is making better decisions. Uh, I've also heard that Tate has been the benefactory of, or the beneficiary of some of my previously voiced frustration as to where the defensive back room is uh, right now. Here's the other thing with the defensive back room. Go back to the episode where we discussed Bill Connolly's returning production numbers. And how he had the defense projected so highly, right? So I can pull this up. It was, sorry, I got quite a few spreadsheets here. This is great live podcasting. I think he projected FSU to have like a top 12 defense, was it? This is Bill? Predicted that? Okay. Mm -hmm. Love to hear that. 
Well, we discussed this on an episode. I'm pretty sure it's the top 12 defense. Let me see here. Yeah. Well, one of the reasons was because FSU's returning production on defense uh, was exceptionally high. And remember, I think we talked about this, or this might have been the episode I did where I was like explaining why the advanced metrics love FSU. You, you can go back and find this on YouTube or, or on the podcast feed. You know, 11th, Barry says, okay, not 12th. So 11th. I mean, that's obviously really high. And that's in spite of losing Jermaine Johnson and those guys. Well, one of the issues there is that Bill's numbers are accounting for the idea that the secondary is going to be nails in the back end due to its experience. Now, obviously, FSU is going to dip quite a bit when you lose Brownlee's 800-something snaps. The, the foreman is not going to like that. I'll sneak preview there. Uh, but still, they'll, they'll still be rated fairly highly. It sounds like you are a little bit concerned um, with the secondary at this point in time. I think yeah. that's probably fair, man. Yeah. And Rodemaker, I have heard, has been better. Better, better. to the point. Okay. Let's let's throw this out there. And uh, we got listener questions to get to as well. I, I know. Is Rod, like from what you've heard, is Rodemaker good enough now to where you don't think you need to go take a transfer? Or is it just what transfer can you really get and thread that needle? So you don't take one. Uh, I think you should take a transfer quarterback and I don't, I would not have anything that Tate has done this spring absent him, like performing at a level that you seriously wonder if he's going to be your starter, which is more or less impossible in my opinion. Um, I think you take a quarterback when you can. I mean, I, I love Jordan, I love the individual, but look, man, you're talking about a quarterback that threw for 1500 yards last year and ran for 500. That's 2,000 yards of offensive productivity in the year 2021 is uh, not going to get it done. I'll put it that way from the quarterback position. That's a kid who's battled injuries and various health injuries or health issues. And um, I think he had an issue with his living conditions last year, bizarrely enough, that I think is going to help him significantly. I mean, oh, wow. This is one of the craziest stories I've heard. I asked you about this a couple months ago. I'm, I believe that there's actual legitimacy to that. I I know this is a weird, ambiguous the stuff, hotel thing. Yeah, they they had yeah. to get him a hotel um, because of some stuff. Just not stuff meaning conditions where he was living. I'm not you know trying to allude to anything else, but um, a guy who just has battles with some health issues, and I think you got to get another option back there. Now, who that is, and as you mentioned, is it a complicated threading of the needle? Hell yeah, it is. Um, but you need another option. You do. I guess fair. All right. So let's go ahead and go to some listener questions. All right, man. So Grant asked, what are Bud's <laughs> betting odds that Jordan Travis is your starting quarterback by season's end? Interesting timing there. Oh, okay. Um, so I'm going to basically all but rule out the chance that they get a, a transfer quarterback who comes in and takes Jordan Travis's job. Right, so let's assume, if healthy, Travis is the starter. That seemed fair. Yeah, uh, it has to be. Yeah, absolutely. If, if they get somebody else in here uh, who's better than Jordan to start, to start I'll, I'll be very surprised. So then the question becomes: Can he stay healthy for twelve games? He's never done so, and really hasn't come close. 
but he started the Florida game last year. He was dinged up and obviously got more dinged up in the game. But I, I will say minus 400, 80% odds. Hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't speak the minus language like you do, but I was going to put it right around 80%. Um, okay. No. It's basically only handicapping injury, which I feel bad doing anyway. And it's just, it's who knows, but hopefully he can stay healthy because if, if he's healthy, this is a, a difficult and unique offense to prepare for, for some of the defenses you're going to face. Some of the defenses you're going to face from like, guess what? We're way too physical and fast for you and, and we don't really care. But some of the defenses are really going to struggle with it, as they have uh, in previous years. So before we get to Sean's question, we'll thank our friends at Congruity. CongruityHR.com is the website. And uh, we'd certainly ask that you go and just visit the website for two minutes and call our friend Matt Lewis if you have any kind of need for more uh, you know, advanced HR solutions or a PEO. Uh, of any kind. We're really excited about what has taken place with this partnership over the last two or three months. Uh, Matt's got a lot of real kind of exciting things in the pipeline, so to speak, and hopefully uh, we'll see those through to fruition. But uh, Matt Lewis, as I'm fond of saying, has been nothing but a great, uh, you know, a great ad for our business and uh, making making sense of what we're trying to do. And he would only be the same for you. So uh, if you want me to introduce you to him, I'd be more than happy to. If you want to reach out directly to him, you can Knowles at congruityhr.com via email, or you can call Congruity 844-247-4100. All right, let's jump back into some of these questions. Uh, I'll go ahead and read this one from Sean. I'm getting excited for the season and think this team has a higher floor and ceiling in recent years, uh, but I'm doing my best to curb enthusiasm to avoid disappointment. If you had to pick, what position groups do you think are most and least likely to fall above and below expectations and why? And and I, I just got to say, man, like, I think now is the time for great optimism as long as you're not the type of person who the rest of their week is ruined if, if the team loses or if they fail to meet expectations. But like as long as you can keep it in check and it doesn't overly impact your day-to-day life if a football team wins or loses, which, hey, we love y'all because y'all are probably our most diehard listeners, <laughs> those of you who, who do kind of assign a, a disproportionate amount of your self-worth to it. Uh, Man, go nuts. Be optimistic as hell in the spring. Like spring is the is the time for, for optimism. Absolutely. Be careful of the lies that you tell to others and to yourself uh during this period of time. But you're right. If you can't be optimistic in spring, uh, when the hell can you be? Um yeah, as far as Sean, I mean, I would as far as the floor, I'd feel wonderful if they could address, if they could add another offensive lineman in the portal and potentially at this point, either a wide receiver or a defensive back. And then we can continue to monitor the quarterback position and have that conversation uh, as it develops. But um, yeah, I think they've done a lot of things as far as raising the floor, the general program. Uh, I think Mike has done a, a really solid job in most places across the board. As I'll reiterate what I said previously, Concerned about some of the personnel decisions he's made. Uh, other than that, I think Mike has done pretty damn well with the hand that he was inherited and how he's played it. Um, and you know, certainly this year will be a pivotal year as to uh, you know what what his future looks like. One hundred percent there. I so I, I would agree with you on the off, on the offensive line. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, linebacker. 
could linebacker exceed expectations? If here's the way linebacker exceeds expectations. What if Deloach? Now, this I don't think this will happen. Thus, we're trying to do exceeds expectations. And this is always a hard question because you're trying to pair expectations with what you know. So hopefully your expectations are are good and accurate. What if some crazy scenario has Deloach as your third best backer? Yeah, you're right? a great player. You're like, a great like Bethune is number one, and and then you know Gainer makes some kind of incredible leap. I don't again, I don't think that's gonna happen, but I didn't think the Bengals were gonna go to the Super Bowl. Well, yeah, it's with got your best linebacker cord in probably seven years as that happens. I mean, right. Uh, like, you're could that happen? Just, I'm trying to put together things in my head of like, maybe this could happen. What I, th- what I think is more likely uh, is that Deloach and, and the UCF kid or what you play 85% of your base snaps out of and with and uh, are a absolute asset and a, you know one of your better linebacker pairings since 2015. Um, I think that's pretty... I want to say realistic, but uh, not real far-fledged either, or real far-fledged. I agree. All right, so um, next question here. All right, let's go Bobby. Uh, Do you think the spring game date looks better now, uh, knowing how many other schools chose April 16th? UF had to change theirs to the 14th so as to not compete with UGA and Miami. Seems like the best date to get recruits to come. Also gives them an extra week to go ahead and start seeing who will enter the portal. So they are ready when portal season picks back up. Um, yes, I think it looks better now in retrospect. They are in a market position where they have to zig a little bit while some other programs zag. So from a recruiting standpoint, yes. I still think it's an absolute mistake when the team is not good to not pair the spring game weekend with the home baseball weekend. That's just me. How many of your friends are going to the spring game? Who would normally uh, go? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> haven't had a big, haven't had a real positive response to that so far. The group we'll text see. ain't popping over here, man, about guys going to the spring. Now I'm going, but like, I think from a recruiting standpoint, yes, but there are other considerations there as well. And it's, it's a tough thing to balance. I'm not saying that they made a mistake doing it when they did. I just think that they do need to find a way to do it with a baseball weekend at some point. Uh, old New Orleans Dan asks, uh, how much do we show in the Duquesne game? How much do we put on tape for LSU? I think this is a fascinating question considering the Jacksonville State game last year and the failed look ahead to Wake. Uh, as you guys complimented how well Dillingham and Norville worked together last season, uh, what changes in the offense do you anticipate now that Atkins is the OC? So old Dan snuck in two on us there. Uh, yeah, the Duquesne game, I don't know, man. I mean, I think you, you know, my opinion, you probably run eight offensive plays and win by 50 and get ready for game one. Uh, but it's a it's a good question as to how much you want to show and how you kind of try to manage some of these uh snaps and load workloads, et cetera, before uh, it's going to be a pretty, pretty physical and uh, important LSU game in week two. So a couple things here. Number one, uh, Atkins won't be in the box, right? 
So you, know, you can't have your your offensive line of coach in the box. He's going to be on the field. So that that that's going to be one of the key differences right there because because Kenny was up in the box. Um, that's probably your main difference. Again, this is Norvell's offense, just as it was Norvell's offense for Kenny. They're going to work together in concert to game plan throughout the week. Uh, I I do think that. Here's something for you. If you have Atkins as your OC, and I think that's a good hire, I think he's a very well-respected coach and is obviously a good recruiter as well, which doesn't matter so much on game day, but it certainly matters for job security and, and where you're going as a coach. Um, I, I've been watching a lot of like the Nike Coach of the Year Clinic series recently to get get ready for you know, some of the on- on-air stuff. And I do think having a... a you hear Sam Pittman talk. Or you hear some of these guys who are offensive line coaches, or even some of the tight end coaches who became head coaches. And they, I think they really come from a standpoint of, can we block it up first? So I wonder if having an offensive line coach as your OC might make it uh, so that you have fewer negative plays. It also could potentially reduce explosives if you're following my line of thinking there, right? If you're thinking protection first, not that Mike and those guys didn't think protection first last year. I think many times they did, probably out of, out of necessity. Uh, but if you have an offensive line coach or a guy who played O-line, he's more than an O-line coach now, as your OC, uh, perhaps you'll start thinking more protection first. And uh, that could be a potentially noticeable change. Although I don't know how we measure that separately from what we would get just with your baseline you know, sack and pressure numbers. Uh, I think your answer spot on for Duquesne, man. I don't really have anything else to add to that. Like, yeah. get some young guys in, get in, get out, be crisp. Don't like miss meetings because you're high. I guess uh, what, what? That'd be good. What, what, are, what are advice that's, I have here? It's a good barometer for all of us to try to hit. Um, Stacy asks, "What's the early feedback on defensive ends?" This is a good question. Is it's not something that we've spent a whole lot of time other than discussing uh, first. Uh, she says, it looks like Briggs has been moved there. And uh, is there anyone that was on the roster last year that didn't play much that is standing out who's poised to make a positive impact at the defensive end position? Yeah, so you know, Briggs obviously has kind of been limited a little bit, still recovering uh, from last year. I know you got very good, very good feedback on McClendon, which I think is encouraging. With Quayshawn, the answer is going to be just consistency. Do you have the consistency? You have consistency. Can you bring it every play? Can you bring it every practice? I mean, screw screw every play. Can you show up every day, and uh, and 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 come with it? I think Briggs uh, will be a good player for them this year. I think Verse will be a good player for them this year. Maybe not a great player. Could be athletically. I think he's got it, but he's got to refine that talent and they got to develop him. Uh, and who knows how long that will take. But I do think defensive end, and particularly speed rusher, is an area of, of potential concern and continued need that they'll have to keep looking at the portal for. Absolutely. Uh, as to answer your question, I'm not saying this kid's uh, about to dominate or anything else like that, but you have seen the progress that you, have, or you think we've seen and will continue to monitor. But if Patrick Payton is going to be a decent player for you in 2023, he's on the right track. Uh, that's a kid that's making some strides, adding some weight, learning how to play with weight. Um, I've been enthused with what I've heard so far. Okay, so Logan, uh, excuse me, Connor has the next question. 
We've talked about this some, Connor, so forgive us if this is quick. If Winston Wright's injury is season-ending, do you expect the staff to try to find another wide receiver in the portal? Um, yes, short answer, I do. I was talking about this with somebody uh, as recently as 48 hours ago, and I think if they can find the right fit, uh, they're going to take another wide receiver, actually. I agree, man. I, I think you probably should take another receiver, or I'll add this, receiver or impact tight end, because because Lord knows we need to add more numbers at the tight end position, but I agree. Yeah, if you can, find, a, if you can find an impact like one, hell seven yeah. Seven tight ends at once. That is uh, right. We've got a new formation coming. Uh, but yeah, if you can find an impact tight end, hell yeah, I'd take him. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, let's see. Uh, Kenyatta Watson pretty much talked about that. Uh, Morgan asked if Florida State intends to replace Watson. Certainly think so. Yes, they do. Um, and I, I, do so I know quickly. they are already I'll contacting that way. Yeah, exactly. Uh, how was the hiring of Ray and other support staff restructured the off-field personnel? And have these hires been a major shift in the program's operation and management? Great question, Morgan. I'll let Bud answer this. This, this is something that we've talked about uh, extensively over the past couple of weeks. Uh, privately, we with each other. Um, sorry to interrupt your question, Morgan. I will resume now. Uh, or is this just a man- minor attempt to better structure obligations and responsibility and a similar approach to program management? In other words, is Norvell overhauling this thing to drastically create a different machine, or is he just trying to improve and streamline what he's inherited? Um, I, I think what they have in Ray is a guy who is respected and knows what he's doing. And I think that is an upgrade over what they had at times in previous years. Um, you guys know my thoughts on, on how Norvell structured the recruiting office. Didn't really like it. Anyway, that's not really like, that's not why they lost Travis Hunter, obviously. So I'm, I'm not trying to say like that's, that's what caused the downfall on Sunday. day. But, uh, I think they have a little more accountability now. The organization is different because you, know, you previously had guys handling more roles and now their roles are a little bit. Uh, either more clearly defined in some cases or in some cases diminished, right? Maybe you're doing a little more walk-on program and a little more transfer portal and a little less, uh, you know, dealing with coaches when it comes to the recruiting side of things, which I think, uh, I think coaches on the staff like the change just from what I've heard. And uh, I think, I think it's a good hire. We all know Mike was in a tough spot, even though I put out the video that Mike Norvell is not on the hot seat. If you Google it, that's going to come up pretty highly, but so is that ESPN article that has him as, as like the first name there on the hot seat. So uh, it is hard to hire with, with that going on. It just is. I think Derek's a pretty good hire given the limitations you had, and I think they're already starting to see you know, some results when it comes to accountability and uh, professionalism there. Interesting to hear. Uh, Logan asked, was there anything that came out of the first scrimmage that surprised you based off how the first set of practices went and who had been performing well or poorly? Um, So some of the clips that I saw on Instagram and TikTok from Thursday were uh, the offense lighting up the defense. And uh, I did not expect the defense to bounce back quite as hard as it did in the scrimmage. But the defense, uh, I think, Pretty decidedly won the scrimmage. Now, nobody's allowed to watch the scrimmage, but just from stuff I've heard, um, I think that's that's the case. 
Final question of the night comes from Lucas. Lucas says, hey guys, thanks for giving me football content in March that I'm interested and excited about. Frankly, that's impressive to do. I wanted to ask, when hearing positive feedback on position groups or players in spring ball, are there any that you would give more credibility to than others? For example, for example, I probably won't be convinced uh, that our next defensive end references Kando, our cornerback references last year in Travis J. Uh, will carry on superstar spring performances because of the quality of position group that they face each day in practice. Maybe I could be convinced of our linebackers truly improved. I don't know. I would love to hear your input on managing expectations during the lying season. Well, I think you just kind of measure it against their track record. Right now. Well, I think basically Lucas's question was somewhat what our WTF segment was really try to make sense of what we've heard and pair it with what that means for other sides of the ball, et cetera. That's a good question. And you're right. Certainly be a, uh, you know, managing and referencing past track records of position groups and how perhaps they've been hyped or overhyped by ourselves, others. So again, just, Having a good practice doesn't mean you're going to have a great season. Having a couple in a row is encouraging. Just make note of it. Let's see if it carries over to fall. There's always these spring all-stars. These guys are really good in batting practice and, and you know, come, come game time, they don't have it. Uh, also keep in mind that like different guys are working on different things at different times. You know? Uh, it's just, that's just how it is. So, You may want to challenge Bless Harris with a bunch of rushes and stunts and different things he has to pick up. That you may not be challenging somebody else. Like you may want to push Bless Harris. I'm just an example, not just using him, but like some guy who you think you need to get ready to start, you may want to challenge more. Some younger guy who you want, like your goal coming out of spring is, hey, let's build up their confidence. Let's give them a motivation to keep working hard over the summer. Let's let's have them feeling good about themselves. So that they're really like, hey, I, I can take my game to the next level. I'm it, not everybody is, is facing the same set of challenges there at the same level and at the same frequency every every week and every day. So it is t- it's kind of tough to judge at times off spring. I think spring translates to the fall much less than August translates to the fall. All right, brother man, just cool seventy minutes, seventy five minutes in uh, you know end of March. Just uh, fun, thoroughly enjoyed every bit of it. <laughs> And, um, yeah, we'll try to we'll have something to you later in the week. We're not exactly what that will look like. Uh, probably won't be a full blown podcast, but we'll, we'll have something in your RSS feed probably on Thursday, uh, just to make touch and, uh, uh, go from there. So, uh, certainly thank you for all your support. Thank you for all the support that you've shown our sponsors over the years. And, uh, it's a hell of a lot of fun, whether it be, you know, November, March or whenever else. So until next time, bud. This has been the Nullcast. This has been the Nullcast. The Nullcast is created and hosted by Bud Elliott and Ingram Smith, music by Judson Wright, and produced by Justin Robinson. Go Knowles.